The Artisanal Spirits Company curates the world's favourite single cask and limited edition whiskey. It also owns the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. It listed on AIM in June 2021. And I'm delighted to be joined by the Chief Executive, Andrew Dane. So, Andrew, do you produce whiskey or buy other distillers whiskey? Good afternoon, Sarah. Yes, indeed. So as you say, the Artisanal Spirits Company creates and sells those outstanding limited edition whiskies and experiences around the world, primarily through the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, but we're not a distillery. So we're not a primary producer. We buy from a huge range of distilleries. We've just bottled from our 157th different malt whiskey distillery, as well as a range of uh, rums, cognacs, armagnacs and others which whiskey fans enjoy. So no, we're not a producer. We managed to have a huge range of sourcing from many of the distilleries that people know and love well, but also part of the fun is bringing the whiskies from distilleries they've never heard of or certainly never tried. Well, I'd certainly like to be a taster for your company. I'm sure everyone says that, though, but I'm just wondering, yeah. can customers lay aside casks as a long-term investment? Is that part of your offering? Yeah. So certainly not. And we've actually actively stayed well clear of any kind of cask investment scheme, speculative investment space. We're really about bringing people a unique and exciting range of whiskies, which we want people to enjoy. Now, noting that some people do like to, to collect or savour for, for a later day, but really it's about people who are looking for, for bottles of whisky. That said, what we have developed this year is more of a cask sales programme. So we've always had, as part of the trading that happens in Scotch whisky, we've always sold casks into the industry to trusted trade partners as part of the buying and selling as we balance our stocks. What we're layering on top of that this year is what we're calling private cask sales, but really where members are buying a whole cask's worth of bottled whisky. So they get the um, sort of personalized touch, personalized label, all, all that fun, but at the end, they are receiving a set of SMWS branded bottles. So we'll come on to the members in a moment's time, but let's have a look at the macro picture. Across the globe, what is the whiskey market like? Is it, is it, I'm assuming it's growing? Yeah, so really our space within the global whiskey market is in the ultra premium price points. And that part of the, the market is really significant and growing. So those ultra premium price points, typically over £40 per bottle. It's over $8 billion worldwide. And that's up in the key markets, up 50% in the last two years. And three quarters of that global market is in the markets in which we already have a presence. So that's some of the markets you might expect, like the US, but also some that maybe you don't, like Taiwan and South Korea, which are big markets for um, premium, outstanding Scotch malt whiskey. Okay, South Korea, you've mentioned there, Taiwan, yeah. you've mentioned there. Um, so these are where the, the business now has a presence. So is Asia the target area or are other territories just as important? Yeah, absolutely. One of the beauties of the business is it's truly globally diversified. We have members around about 30 countries around the world um, with the UK, Europe, US and China, all big markets, as well as presence in places like Japan, Australia and 
Korea and Taiwan join the mix. So it's very much about building depth of presence in those markets and sprinkling on top a few new places. But Asia is one of, but not the only area of focus. And as you say, we've made some good developments there this year with the launch of a new franchise in South Korea in April of this year. Um, that's the first time we've had a presence in South Korea. Great reception there, a really good partner. They're called FJ Korea. Recruited 300 members in 90 minutes. So there was clearly a lot of demand in the market there. So franchise is one way to expand the business. What else are you looking at? Are you looking at acquisitions, roadshows, influences? Yeah, the, the, the full gambit. So um, franchises are a way we, we use to seed new markets. Really low risk, really low capital, way to go into a new market, and particularly example there of South Korea, but more recently or before that, it was Mexico the year before, South Africa the year before. So franchises are a way that we enter new markets. And we had actually previously operated a franchise in Taiwan, but part of our strategy is once a market reaches a certain size, we can convert it into subsidiary, take more control of the operations there once it's reached a critical mass. So Taiwan is an example where we moved it to a subsidiary model in, in August of this year, and we got a real, real uplift there. So we previously had a much smaller franchise operation. Though before that, it was Australia in 2020, which we converted from a franchise to a subsidiary. So it's sort of like a conveyor belt where we're filling the hopper with franchises in new markets as they reach that critical mass. We develop a deeper presence in those existing markets. We also work with... Um, true influencers so whiskey bloggers people who run sites where they're reviewing new whiskies so people are coming to their sites to learn about new releases wonderful new whiskies from all kinds of um producers that's our target audience we look to captivate a global community of whiskey adventurers and therefore people coming to those sites are a perfect uh, demographic for us so that's an example of how we recruit and engage people into the society does that help it certainly does help. But how captivating were your most recent numbers? What do they reveal about the company's strategy? Yeah, so I think really pleasingly was that continued growth in membership numbers. So up 9% year on year, which shows people continue to engage in the fundamental proposition, which is that we are a premium direct consumer e-commerce business selling outstanding whiskies exclusively to members. And that membership, fee-paying membership base grew to just over 39,000 um, during the period. So that was really pleasing to see. From a revenue perspective, after a slow start to the year, Q1 was slow, particularly in China. We saw some gathering momentum in Q2, up 7% in the second quarter. And we are seeing an acceleration of revenue growth in the second half of the year. That means we remain confident in delivery of our full year forecasts, including an inaugural a positive EBITDA, which would be good to see. So let's drill down into that membership because the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society has its 40th anniversary this yes. year. So I'm just wondering, what is the board's vision for growth? Do you want to keep it niche and kind of exclusive, capping membership at 40,000? Or do you want it to grow as more people become ambassadors for the Amber Nectar? Um, so it's certainly about growth, but from two channels. So within the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, it's all about taking that unique and outstanding range of whiskies that we have. And we want to expand the reach of the society, allowing more people to sample and enjoy the, these truly wonderful whiskies. So certainly continuing to see growth 
in that membership, as well as the engagement, retention, and, and enjoyment of those members around the world. But with um, my hat on as the Artisanal Spirits Company, PLC, we want to be about um, creating a highly profitable, highly cash-generative, global premium spirits group, where the society is at the heart of that, but isn't the only part of that. So our first uh, addition to the group was in uh, November 2021, when we launched JG Thompson, which is a brand focused on small batch, um, limited edition, blended malt whiskies. Um, and that was that's into uh, classic retail, uh, outstanding whiskey bars, into cocktails, specialist whiskey retailers, etc. And we look to expand the ways that we can reach uh, a much broader audience while keeping the society at the core of what we what we do in our purpose. So you talked about truly wonderful whiskies, the beautiful yeah. alliteration. And early on, you talked about a hundred and 57 distilleries that yeah. have got a relationship with. So this is probably the hardest question to answer. So what is your favorite tipple from the entire portfolio so far? Um, I like to give a different answer every time. That's part of the fun of it. I would say probably though, um, a distillery uh, for, for fans of a distillery called Ardmore. It was not a distillery I'd ever tried before I came to the society. And when I first tried it, I didn't know that that's what I was drinking because we use a coding system on the front of the bottle so that uh, we're not naming the distillery. It's one of a series of data points we give about the cask, the age, the flavor profile, the region, the distillery, but we don't start by talking about the distillery. And that means that people try things they've never tried before. And that was certainly my experience. Um, as I tried a, a bottle which was lightly peated not a flavour profile I particularly um, thought I enjoyed. And it was wonderful, smoky, wood smoke. It was just a real, real treat. And the thing that stuck with me is how I probably wouldn't have tried it if I hadn't been there in one of our wonderful venues in the UK, having one of the members of staff saying that you absolutely have to try this. So it was a real treat. And now I'm hooked. I have two open bottles on my shelf at home here. Right here. So... Um... In fact, I should try Ardmore. I think that's already in my collection. However, I digress. Just like a good whiskey matures, you are maturing with the business because previously you were the chief financial officer. You're now the chief executive. And I think it's important to remind investors that you are in alignment with them because one of the RNSs from this month is about you buying shares in the company. Yes, absolutely. And certainly it's always been part of the, the ethos to make sure that the executive, the board, the investors, our members and our staff are all aligned in what it is that we're trying to achieve. And as you say, recently bought bought some shares myself, uh, building on a holding I already have, as well as um, option schemes, LTIPs, et cetera, which are all designed to make sure that the long-term interests of everybody are well aligned. So that's the compensation remuneration of the executive. It's uh, the introduction of a, an option scheme across our whole employee base so that all the team members can all feel part of the success given that it's driven by those great people that we that we have across the business so there's certainly good alignment across all of those elements making sure that everyone's working in the long-term best interests of the of the business and our shareholders that's lovely thank you very much i'm still scratching my head as to why you've got two open bottles of ardmore are they different <laughs> are they different yeah. years or did you forget you had one 
Uh, yeah, two, two, two different years. One is uh, one is a 12-year-old and one is a 25-year-old. So it depends on what stage of the evening you're uh, enjoying uh, different, different of those. And I suppose it depends how well Scotland does in the World Cup, which is a completely <laughs> different conversation. Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure. Andrew Dane, Chief Executive of the Artisanal Spirits Company. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thanks. This podcast was brought to you by Master Investor. For more investment and economics analysis, please visit masterinvestor.co.uk.